Amen. While you're standing, if you have your Bible, turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 4. I'm going to read a single verse of Scripture, First Chronicles chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1. If you have it, would you say amen? If you don't, it's on the screen around me. So why don't everybody say amen? Amen. amen. The Scripture says, The sons of Judah... And then it lists them. Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Her, and Shoval. Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Her, and Shoval. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about the pedigree of praise. The pedigree of praise. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I love you. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for the great power of the Word of God. And I'm asking, Lord, as we, as we discuss these names and what they mean, I'm asking God to allow the Word of God just to reach down and touch us, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. One of the things that has always set Pentecostal churches apart from all other persuasions is the affinity that we have for praise. Our praise is not just a tradition, though we do have some traditions. And our, our praise is not just a feeling, although we, we have that too. And our praise is not just singing, though we definitely do that. And our praise is not just free expression, although there's also some of that. Amen. The reason that praise is so vital... The reason why it matters so much is because a long time ago, amen, those who came before us, uh, the pioneers of Pentecost, if you will, discovered that there's power in praise. Amen. When we lose the free expression of our praise and our services, we'll lose more than just uh, something that, that we do because it's what we do when we come to church. Uh, amen. We'll lose something much more important. Uh, amen. Than just a way of doing church. Uh, amen. We'll lose the very power of praise. I remember at a general conference several years ago, Jack Cunningham told a story. Uh, he told how that in a previous general conference, it had been several years before that, there was a particular night where there was one of those old-time uh, shout-down general conference services, and the preacher didn't get to preach because the people were praising the Lord, and they just there was no break in the worship, and the preacher never preached. They had a night there magnifying the Lord, praising Him. God moved and did great and mighty things in their midst, and after it was all said and done, after the women had shouted down, the bobby pins had flown, and, and, and everybody had done whatever they do to worship the Lord, dance, shout, run in the aisles, whatever, and however they expressed their praise unto God. When it was all finished, Jack Cunningham said he went back to his hotel, and he got on an elevator with G.A. Mangan, and they were going up to their floor, and on that hotel was a, I mean, on that elevator was a dignified couple uh, that were offended at such an uncontrollable display of worship. And that's all they could talk about was how, how 
unbecoming it was, how it would turn away guests and visitors, how they, we could not control ourselves even enough so that the, the preacher could preach. And finally, one of them had the nerve to ask Elder Brother Mangan, when will Pentecost ever grow out of such foolishness? Brother Mangan's response caught them flat-footed because he looked them straight in the eyes and he said, I hope we never grow out of that. I hope we never get so big that we forget how to worship. I, I hope we never get so dignified uh, that we forget what it means uh, to lift up the name of the Lord. I, I hope we never get so proper uh, and so bound to a routine. Uh, amen. That we forget what it means uh, to allow the Holy Ghost to come in and take over a service. I want you to listen to this preacher tonight because we cannot afford to grow out of the fervency of praise. We cannot afford to let this culture rob us of the power of praise. We cannot afford uh, to neglect, uh, amen, our duty uh, to lift up the name of the Lord, uh, to magnify Him. Uh, when we come together, uh, we come to praise Him, amen. We didn't just come to see each other. Uh, we didn't just come to hear a praise band sing. Uh, we didn't just come to be a part of, of a Bible study. Uh, we came to magnify the Lord, uh, the King of kings, uh, Amen. The one who paid the price uh, for our sins. We came to praise him. So tonight I want to talk to you about the pedigree of praise. Now I have to say from the beginning that I'm coming at this from an inverted perspective. Whenever you talk about a pedigree, usually you're talking about the list of ancestors that went before someone. Pedigree is who your your grandma and great grandmother and granddad and great granddad and you trace that pedigree back up the line. But I want to come at it from an inverted perspective tonight. I want to talk about a man named Judah. Judah in Hebrew means praise. I want to talk about a man who symbolized what it means uh, to praise God. Uh, and I want to look at the children that descended from praise. Uh, because we see in, in the Bible a certain importance uh, on names. Uh, amen. They reflect character. Uh, they reflect personality. Uh, and very often they reflect spiritual truths. Uh, amen. That the people given the names never would have understood uh, or recognized. Uh, and today is I look at the children uh, of Judah, I am reminded of some things uh, that praise births into our lives. Uh, amen. It praise gives birth to when we begin to praise Him uh, and we begin to magnify Him uh, and we begin to lift Him up. Uh, these five sons uh, of Judah uh, are things that are born in our lives. The things that we stand to lose if we lose the dynamic power of praise in our services. So if you've been around a Pentecostal church for any length of time, you've heard someone reference Judah. Everybody is aware, most are aware that the name means praise. And we talk about that role as a very important role that Judah played. But I want to look at the sons of Judah. I want to look at, at, at their names. And what we're going to learn this evening is that praise birds some powerful things 
into our lives. The first son of Judah was named Perez. And Perez, it's spelled with an H, but the H is silent. And Perez, the name means a breaking forth. The Hebrew word implies a place of victory. It's the name that was used to describe that moment in battle when a group of men broke through the enemy line. They broke, they created a breach, uh, amen, and there was a breaking forth, uh, and they broke through the shield wall. They broke through the wall that was protecting the pe- the enemy, and, and they come into the midst of him uh, and begin to bring about a great victory. That's the breach. Uh, that's the breaking forth, uh, amen. That's the where this word Perez comes from, uh, amen. How many times uh, has saints of God walked into the house of God uh, full of distress and discomfort and dismay, facing all kinds of trouble and turmoil in their life. Uh, But when they begin to praise the Lord, uh, when they begin to magnify His name, uh, when they begin to lift Him up, uh, there was a breaking through uh, that happened uh, as victory flooded into their lives. Uh, I come to tell somebody in this house uh, on a Wednesday night, uh, there's victory in your praise. Uh, Amen. There's victory in your praise. Uh, It'll put a breach uh, in the barriers uh, that you're enemy has correct has raised up uh, around you constructed uh, it'll tear down the strongholds uh, that have opposed you uh, amen it's time that we recognized uh, the value of praise uh, amen it's time that we begin to praise him uh, until the glory of the lord breaks through amen sometimes we we become professional praisers yeah, we know how to clap. We know how to get a little jive going. With the, but when the song stops, we we also know that's the time to transition. And we get somewhere along the way, we need to learn to let praise just break out. Amen. I said somewhere along the way, we need to learn to let God be God. Amen, because we're missing something. Amen, that we ought to be tapping into when we come to the house of God uh, and we don't let our praise flow. Uh, We're missing something. Uh, There's a victory that should be there uh, that we're missing out on uh, because we're not letting praise bring uh, its victory into our lives. It's time we had a breakthrough in praise. Amen. We need the kind of praise that puts a breach uh, in the attack of the enemy, the kind of praise that uh, breaks through until the Lord breaks forth upon us. Uh, can I tell you, my friend, the devil doesn't care how many times you come to church, doesn't care how many services a week you attend, uh, doesn't care how devoted you are just as long uh, as you never let the anointing of God uh, break loose in your life. Uh, the devil doesn't care how many songs we sing. Uh, he doesn't care how well we do it. Uh, he doesn't care how struck our service is uh, just as long uh, as we never let the anointing of God uh, break forth in our midst Uh, oh my goodness Uh, amen that's why we need a revival of praise Uh, we need a revival uh, of worship Uh, we need to remember what it is uh, to come into his house uh, and put everything else aside uh, and magnify his name Matthew chapter 23, Jesus literally uh, laid into the Pharisees. He told them they were nothing but a bunch of whitewashed sepulchers. Those are graves, my friend. 
pretty on the outside, but full of dead men's bones. Uh, he called them dirty cups. Uh, he called them a den of vipers. Uh, and he called them a lot of other things. Uh, amen. You want to know why he was so upset? Uh, it was because the religion uh, had structure. Uh, their religion uh, had all the pomp and circumstance. Uh, they had this thing about church uh, down pat. Uh, amen. Their religion had a bunch of self-righteousness. Uh, and it had its laws uh, and its rules. Uh, but there was no praise uh, in it. Uh, amen. That's why it was pretty on the outside, uh, but it's full of dead men's bones uh, on the inside. I want to tell you something with scriptural authority behind me. Pentecost without praise has no more power than those whitewashed sepulchers called the Pharisees. Uh, God forbid uh, that we forget what it means. You uh, it's been too long uh, since we come in this house on a Sunday night uh, and just let go and let God. Uh, it's been too long uh, since we came into his presence uh, and there was a breaking through uh, of the glory and the anointing of God. Uh, God forbid uh, that we allow this world uh, to rob us of our praise. Uh, God forbid uh, that we allow our circumstances uh, to rob us of our praise. The devil would like nothing more than to boil Pentecost down to a set of rules that we live by and the dead, dry structure of ritual and religion and programs and, and set ways of doing things. Uh, amen. Until uh, we don't even know what it means uh, to see the victory of God break forth. Uh, he would like nothing more. Amen. Than to silence your worship. Uh, than to hinder your praise. Uh, can I tell you, he doesn't want you to raise your hands. Uh, can I tell you, he doesn't want you to open your mouth. Uh, he doesn't want you to stomp your feet a little bit. Uh, he cringes uh, when you get that little bounce and you say, God forbid uh, that you leap for joy. Uh, God forbid uh, that you run the aisles. Uh, amen. He doesn't want to see that. Why? Because he recognizes that when you break through to praise, victory is going to break forth in your life. When you begin to come on, the devil builds a fortress where he hems you in with all that business and that mess that's going on in your life and stuff that you can't control. Uh, and you come into the house of God and you're all hemmed in. Uh, amen. And you, you, you don't even know where to turn. Uh, and you don't even know what to do. Uh, amen. And the devil wants to keep you just like that. Uh, but when you begin to praise him uh, and you begin to magnify him, uh, there's a breaking out uh, that takes place uh, as victory begins to flow uh, and all of a sudden, uh, where there was bondage, uh, now there's liberty. Uh, where there was confusion, uh, now there's faith. Uh, where there was despair, uh, now there's hope. The world wants us to believe it's a bunch of foolishness to come to church and act like that. The world wants us to buy into this idea that religion is supposed to be a little bit more prim and proper and dignified. Like that couple on that elevator 
the world comes and tells us you're going to chase off your guests. You're going to chase off your visitors. If you act like that, hallelujah, they're not going to want to stick around. Listen up, my friend. There's victory in your praise. And it's not, it's not isolated just to you. When you begin to praise him and you begin to magnify his name and the glory of the Lord breaks forth, it affects more than just you. Amen. There's victory in your praise. I'm talking about more than just when the praise team sings. I'm talking about more than just whenever we, we have our little organized worship up here. I'm talking about when you lift your hands, when you lift your voice. There's victory in your praise. Judah's second son is named Hezron. That name means a courtyard. It was a hamlet surrounded with walls, a safe place, a shelter of sorts, a walled garden of refuge. I want to tell you something about praise. It brings you protection. Praise stares your fears uh, in the eyes. Uh, he looks at your giant uh, and praise says, uh, my God uh, is bigger than my problem. Uh, my God uh, is bigger than my circumstance. Uh, my God uh, is bigger than all the things uh, that have come against you. And when you begin to praise him, uh, it ushers you into the stronghold of the Lord. Well, once you were surrounded by the walls of the enemy, now you're surrounded by the walls of shelter and refuge. Uh, amen. Come on, somebody. The, the, the scripture said in Proverbs 18 and 10, the name of the Lord uh, is a strong tower, uh, and the righteous run into it, uh, and they're safe. Uh, amen. I remember three Hebrew boys uh, in a fiery furnace, uh, and in the face of certain death, uh, when fear tried to beat them into submission, uh, when the enemy rose up and said, bend your knee, uh, amen, they refused to turn their back on God. But instead, they declared his mighty power. Daniel chapter 3 verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful. We're not careful to answer. We're, sometimes we're just too careful. Come on. Uh, we're, we're too concerned. What somebody's going to think or what somebody... King, we're not careful about this. We really don't care what you think. We really don't care what you're going to say. Amen. We're not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, he's already talking about cast you into the fiery furnace if you don't bend your knee. They said, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from that burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But watch this. But if not, if it doesn't happen that way, if this is the fire that's going to kill us, uh, be it known unto thee, O king, uh, that we will not serve thy gods, uh, nor worship the golden image uh, which thou hast set up. Uh, I come to tell someone in this house uh, on a Wednesday evening, uh, fear will try to dominate you. Uh, it'll try to distract you. Uh, it'll try to undermine your faith. Uh, it'll try to rob you of your praise. Uh, but listen to this preacher tonight. Uh, what looks like a fire 
fiery furnace uh, becomes a place of protection uh, and refuge uh, when you begin to praise the Lord. Some of you have struggled with some things for so long that you convinced yourself this is just the way it has to be. But God's just waiting for you to push past the fear and intimidation and lift up your voice and praise your way into his stronghold. Uh, amen. Your praise uh, will become your protection. Uh, your praise uh, will become your shelter. Uh, your, I, I, you don't believe me? Try it. Uh, amen. I come into the house of God sometimes uh, when I'm burdened about my worry. I'll never forget the day uh, that I came into Wednesday night church. Uh, amen. I wasn't on the platform. I always sat right there on the front row. Uh, amen. But on that particular the day, Brother Donnie, I lost my job. Uh, amen. I had a house. Uh, I had two cars. Uh, I had all those bills. Uh, and we were never, we were always nip and tuck anyway. Amen. And we didn't get the next paycheck. It was going to mess uh, everything up. Uh, and I sat on that pew uh, before the service started. Uh, and I began to think of what a failure I was. Uh, what a miserable excuse uh, for a husband. Uh, amen. Responsible for a wife and a family that hadn't come along yet. Uh, amen. And I began to let the devil beat me up. Uh, but they started playing the very first song. Uh, and they started praising the Lord. And you know what? I, I don't say this to lift myself up. Uh, but something something clicked inside of me. And Brother Donnie, I said, devil, uh, you may have got my job. Uh, you may have got my finances. Uh, you may have robbed me of my pride. Uh, but you ain't taking away my praise got to my feet and began to praise the Lord and he unloosed. Uh, he opened up the windows of heaven uh, and poured out a blessing uh, and right there in the middle of my storm, uh, in the middle of that circumstance uh, that was beyond my control, he became my refuge. And he made a way when there seemed to be no way. Amen. So the bills got paid. The job I ended up in was better than the job I left. He has a way of doing that. Amen. I, I, I had, well, there was a couple of weeks of difficulty. I, 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 Brother Donnie, I'd never been without a job since I was 16 years old. I took a job right off delivering donuts early in the morning, delivering donuts to the hotels for, for Country Boy Bakery. How many remember Country Boy Bakery? Been a few years ago. Amen. I hated it. But I had had some money coming in. It's just for a space of time. Uh, I think it was a week, maybe two weeks, uh, and then God opened the door and we stepped into the next position. Uh, and and it, it's been up. It's been it's been victory ever since. Uh, amen. That's what happens when you praise Him. Amen. Judah's third son, mentioned in our text, is named Carmi. And Carmi means. A gardener of a vineyard. Now bear with me for a minute. Praise becomes a place for growth and production to happen in your life. If you'll praise Him, your faith will grow. If you'll praise Him, it'll help your devotion to God to grow. If you praise Him, uh, it'll help your knowledge of truth uh, to grow. Uh, if you praise Him, uh, it increases your perspective uh, of Him. Uh, but when you stop praising, you can just mark it down. You write it in your book. Pastor said it, and it's the truth. When you stop praising, you stop growing. 
when you quit magnifying the Lord and you quit giving him the praise that he's you want, you go ahead and mark it down. Your spirituality begins to decline. You begin to drift. Uh, amen. You begin to lose the ground uh, that you've gained so hard. Uh, I come to tell somebody in this house on a Wednesday night, uh, if you want to be more productive in the kingdom of God, then praise Him. Uh, if you want to be better, if you want to better understand the Word of God, then praise Him. Uh, if you want to grow in your faith, uh, then praise Him. Uh, if you want to be productive uh, in His kingdom, uh, praise Him. Praise promotes growth. That's what the gardener does. The gardener does everything in his power to make his garden grow. Amen. The gardener, he cultivates. He, he pulls up the weeds. Uh, amen. I've been out of town for several weeks, and my wife's rose garden was taken over by weeds. And I spent the first, first day home this week after work pulling weeds. I pulled weeds, so I got a big, ugly blister on my finger. Amen. I didn't realize, you know how it is, you don't realize you hurt yourself till you done hurt yourself. But I got all the weeds out of that, that rose garden in the front. Amen. That's what, that's what the gardener does. Amen. Why? Because the weeds sap away the nourishment that those plants need. Uh, and the gardener, when the time comes, he'll, he'll trim. And when the time comes, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll cut things back. Uh, and when the time comes, uh, he'll dig around the roots a little bit. Why? Because the gardener promotes growth. Uh, amen. He makes the garden grow. Uh, the third son of praise uh, is a gardener. Uh, and he cultivates spiritual growth uh, in your life. Uh, you think that circumstance, you think that storm. Uh, you think that trial just came upon you. Happenstance. Uh, you need to step back and take a look uh, at the hand of God uh, that guides your very footsteps. Uh, nothing's taken him by surprise. Uh, he never sleeps uh, nor slumbers. Uh, and that circumstance is there to help you grow. You want to lose that growth in your life? Praise him. Praise him. From the outside looking in, it may look like overzealous exuberance. From the outside looking, the world may mock it. The world may make fun. But let me tell you something. Hell doesn't laugh when you begin to praise God. Because hell understands that your praise uh, will cast off the bonds uh, that is put on you. That, that your praise, uh, amen, when you begin to magnify the Lord, when you begin to lift him up, uh, and when you begin to bless his name, uh, you'll grow spiritually. Hell hates that. That's why hell will always try to hinder your praise. You remember Scott Graham told the story? About the time he was a teenager, he brought a boy to church with him. He was preaching about the river. We listened to that sermon together. And he, he said to, he, he finally talked his friend into coming to church with him. And he was only worried about one thing. There's this one dear sister in the church that I mean when the spirit got to moving, she's going to jump right off in the middle of the river. And she's going to magnify the Lord. She's Nobody knows. She may do the whirly bird. She may shout. She may dance. She may run, hairpin, maybe flying. You just never know what she's going to do. And said she always sat in the same place. And so he made sure to sit his friend in the, uh, on the other side of the auditorium in a different place. And they went in there just a few minutes, and here come that dear sister. 
and she plopped down right in front of him. And Brother Graham said he, he just started wiping sweat. He said, man, this is it. She's about to scare my buddy off. I'm going to have to explain on the ride home. Said they struck the first note on the piano. Hit the first chord, began to sing the first word, and she started. She began to praise him, and she began. She just melted down right there. Began to magnify, shouted, and danced. Uh, amen. And 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 the, and the friend just kind of stood there and watched it all. And after the service, Brother Graham said, "I, I was certain. I was I was worried to death about how I was going to explain how not everybody's like that. Not all of us are crazy like that." So he got in the car, and he drove the friend home, and he was silent most of the way home. They kind of got to the driveway, and he turned around and looked at him and said, Scott, I'm, I'm glad you invited me to church tonight, but I want to tell you something. If I ever get in church, I want what she has and not what you have. Amen. I'm going to tell you something about your praise. It's not going to scare away the world. When they come through that door, they expect an apostolic church. When they come through that door, they're looking for a Pentecostal church. When they come through that door, they expect to find a people that know how to worship Him. They're not coming to hear the best preaching in the world. They go somewhere else and get better preaching. They're coming to experience the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, amen. And that comes when you begin to praise Him and you begin to magnify Him and you create the kind of atmosphere where this feeble preacher uh, can preach under the anointing of God uh, and it touches hearts uh, and changes lives, uh, not because of our abilities and not because of our skill, but because we praised Him. The fourth son of Judah was named her. Or it's a little deeper, the, the Hebrews growl, kind of a guttural sound on the U sound, but her will do for us. We've all heard of Ben Her. In Hebrew, that name means white, and it gives the connotation of white linens, which are used as a symbol of purity. I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. Praise is more than just bodily exercise. It has the power to bring purity and holiness into your lives. When we struggle in areas of holiness and righteousness and moral purity and godly purity, it always shows up in our praise because praise promotes holiness. Praise promotes purity. Praise promotes right living. Amen. I can't praise him when there's sin in my life. Uh, amen. I can't praise him uh, when I know I'm not doing right. Uh, amen. I can't praise him when I know I, I'm letting stuff that shouldn't be in my life uh, be in my life and in my home and in my heart. Uh, amen. I got to get rid of all that junk uh, to be able to praise him. And praise promotes purity. That's why David said in Psalm 150 and 6, let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Uh, because he understood uh, that when we begin to praise the Lord, uh, we begin to separate ourselves unto him. Uh, when we begin to praise him, uh, there's a distinction. Uh, amen. There's holiness. Uh, there's purity in your praise. Uh, that's why the devil hates it so much. And finally, Judah's last son was named Shoval. 
And shoval means a place of overflowing. Let me tell you why the devil wants to rob you of your praise. The last thing that he wants for you is for you to live in the place of overflowing. To live in the place of abundance. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3, Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Amen. The devil doesn't want you there. He doesn't want you with your joy drawing water. He doesn't want you with your joy receiving that refreshing. He doesn't want you living in the overflow of the Holy Ghost. To live in the overflow is to constantly have a flow of the anointing of the Lord in your life. Praise ushers in the overflow. The shepherd's psalm is probably the most popular of the psalms. David said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and thou anointest my head with oil and my cup. Runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, uh, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord uh, forever. There's a lot of wonderful imagery in that. But to say that he fills my cup until it's overflowing is an extraordinary statement because in a culture where water was a precious commodity. When a guest came into your home, you were required. It was, it was hospitable. It was, it was the expected response to pour them a glass of water. But water is a precious thing. And everybody stops pouring before the water gets to the rim. But David said, you prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anointed my head with oil and my cup. Amen. You just kept pouring it in until it was running out. You just kept pouring it in until there was an overflow. That's what I'm talking about. Praise causes you to live in that overflow. That's what causes David to say, surely goodness and mercy are following me. Amen. Wherever I go, amen, goodness and mercy are following me. Whatever I face, amen, I may not be able to see it in my circumstance, but you can mark it down. I'm living in the overflow, and goodness and mercy are walking right alongside of me. That's why the enemy wants to stifle your praise. He wants to cut you off in that place of blessing. He wants to cut you off in that place of overflow. He wants to cut you off in that place where God pours it out uh, and then just keeps on pouring it out. Uh, amen. Beyond the point where any sane person would have stopped. Uh, amen. He just keeps on pouring. Uh, amen. He says, get all you want. Uh, and then when you got all you want, go get you some more. Uh, because I'm just going to keep pouring it out. 
That's the overflow. Amen. Allow me to go back for a moment to that elevator at General Conference. Brother Cunningham said that after that ex initial exchange, Brother Mangan remained silent until he got off the elevator. At least this is the way I remember the story. And then as they were leaving the elevator, he turned to that couple, and this is what he, he warned them. And this is what he said. Michael became barren because she mocked David's worship. You'll remember the story. David worshiped God with an unmatched fervency. But Michael, his wife, when she saw him dance before the ark of the Lord, the Bible said he took off his robe, that robe that designated him as king, that robe of position, prestige. He danced without that robe. What David was saying, I understand, you're the king maker. Amen. When I come into your presence, I don't come as king. Uh, I come as a worshiper. Uh, when I come into your presence, uh, I don't come with my titles. Uh, I don't come with my education. Uh, I don't come with my degrees. Uh, I don't come with my all of my pride uh, and prestige. When I come into your presence, I'm a worshiper. And as he worshiped the Lord, he danced before the Lord without that symbol of his kingly authority. And Micah was galled in her spirit. And when he came home, she, she mocked him. She sought to shame him for his display of worship. She ridiculed him. You see, Michael had that same kind of spirit that that couple on that elevator had. It's a spirit of the world, and it'll always be critical of devotion to God. It'll always try to shut down praise. It'll always mock when somebody's getting a blessing from God. But God judged Michael because of that spirit and made her barren. I'll tell you something. When you develop a spirit that is critical of praise, it will always cause you to become spiritually when you develop a spirit that tries to tear down what God is doing, you'll wither up and die from the inside out. And you'll drift further and further from God as you forget what it even means to praise His holy name. I want to share one more thing about praise. You see, praise doesn't depend on circumstance. Praise doesn't rely on position. Praise isn't limited by your resources or lack thereof. Wherever you find yourself, in whatever condition, in any kind of circumstance, God is worthy of your praise. And praise works anywhere. Just ask Paul and Silas, who have been beaten and bloodied and thrown into cell, the deepest, darkest part of the dungeon, so that there was no chance they could escape. Shackled to the wall. So there's no chance they could do anything. The devil thought he had them beat down. Thought he had them discouraged. Thought he had them the, the, the victory taken away from them. But the Bible said in the midnight hour.
they begin to sing praises. Until you know something powerful about praise. The Bible said in that midnight hours they praised the Lord. There came a mighty earthquake, shook the prison, broke the chains, opened the doors. That's what happens when you praise him. Amen. But that's not the end of the story. The, the jailer comes out, recognizes the prisoners are now free, and he's going to take his life because he understands that if they flee, it's going to be his life. And Paul says, you just hold it right there. We're not going anywhere. Amen. We're going to stay right here. We're going to make sure you're safe. And then after everything is done, he goes to the jailer's house with him and baptizes him and his family. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. There's power in your praise. Brother Ryan, if you'd come, if you'd stand with me. The psalmist said in the 150th Psalm, if you know, if you know your Bible, that's the last Psalm. The very end of the book. The Psalter of Praise ends with these words. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Uh, praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Uh, praise Him with a psaltery and harp. Uh, praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Uh, praise Him with the string instruments and organs. Uh, praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Uh, praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. In those six verses we're commanded to praise the Lord twelve times. This is his sanctuary. We're standing in the firmament of his power. Amen. The devil doesn't rule here. The oppression of the world doesn't intrude here. We're in the firmament of His power, the atmosphere where He works, the atmosphere where the miraculous happens. And so David said, praise Him for His mighty acts. Come on, you've got a reason to praise Him. Praise Him for what He has done. Praise Him for all He's done for you. And then he goes on and says, Praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. That, that, we, that excellent greatness is a, is a difficult translation, uh, but it, it, it speaks in an abundance. Uh, amen. Not just excellent, uh, but overflowing greatness. Uh, amen. Praise Him uh, because of who He is. Uh, praise Him on the instruments. All of them. There, uh, there are people who say, Oh, you shouldn't have all that stuff going on on the platform my friend i want all this and more because my bible said let everything uh, let everything that hath breath uh, praise the lord he said praise him on the high sounding symbol uh, praise him on the on the string instruments uh, praise him with the psalter we need a heart player amen because it said praise him with the heart a harmonica will work amen and he said let everything let every man every woman Every child, praise him with your voice. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. This is what I want to see. I want to see a difference on Sunday morning.
I want to see a difference on Sunday night. I want to see some services where we just let God be God. We worry so much about what the schedule is. We don't worry so much about what the plan is. We don't worry so much about whether or not the preacher gets to preach. We don't worry so much about what somebody's going to think or say. They want to have the spirit of Michael. Let God deal with them. But in the atmosphere where we come and just praise him and magnify him and lift him up and let him work according to his abundant power and ability. Let me tell you something. He's no less God now than he was then. Amen. When he swept through brush harbors, uh, when he moved in tent revivals, we've all heard about the glory of the Holy Ghost, of revival that happened with sawdust on the floor. Amen. Just because we got padded carpets uh, and padded pews uh, and beautiful sanctuaries uh, doesn't mean he's any less able uh, to move in our presence. Uh, if we would lift him up, and let him be God. So I want to ask you on this Wednesday night, just as a, I want more than just a confirmation that you've heard what I preached. I want something to change in our hearts. And, and I could ask you to come and bend your knees, but I really think this is something that comes through praise. And I just want to ask you for the next few moments. If you lift your hands and lift your voice. And can we just magnify the Lord in this house? Come on, surely you got something you can praise Him for. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise Him for His excellent goodness. Come on, praise Him for all He's done. Uh, praise Him because He prepared a table uh, in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, he anointed my head with oil. Uh, my cup runneth over. Why don't you lift your voice and praise the Lord in this house?